This is JFM Podcast. a very very good morning to you once again thank you for staying with the morning j on j 101.9 fm i am your anchor zoe machunga and it is monday it is the 11th day of april 2022 uh, so much to talk about of course uh, unless you've been hiding your head in the sand you do know that conversations around politics uh, 2023 is on is raging in all quarters it's also the huge question the elephant in the room The big question of governance, what is the essence of governance, security and welfare of the people? And we will continue to hammer on that. Of course, uh, Nigeria continues to battle waves of attacks uh, on its citizens. The Kaduna state particularly has been in the eye of the storm. Uh, Citizens are still reeling. Nigerians are still reeling from the horror of the Kaduna bound train, uh, which Monday, March 28, eight people were killed. 41 injured and several abducted by terrorists. And this morning in the news, uh, we saw that uh, videos have emerged. I saw that video yesterday on YouTube and I couldn't help, uh, you know, feeling a sense of, uh, you know, deep pain uh, on behalf of uh, these people who are in captivity. Of course, they are not the first and uh, we're hoping every day that they will be the last, but um, uh, many more days ahead uh, concerning these. Uh, We've seen also days after 10 soldiers killed, several others injured by terrorists who attacked a military base in Birningwari in Kaduna State. Uh, Breaking also at the weekend was the sad news of uh, bandits again who abducted the wife and daughter of a commissioner for environment, Usman Bamiyi, uh, unfortunately, uh, we also saw uh, and heard about the attacks uh, on Sunday. Villages in Kanem, local government area of Plateau State, are setting houses on fire, abducting several others. And uh, a source uh, disclosed to Daily Post uh, and named the attack communities as Kukawa, Gyambahu, Dungur and Keram villages and he said several people were killed in those communities on Sunday and adding that several properties were also uh, burnt and uh, on a sad note now uh, confirming this incident on Sunday Mr. Adam Musalawa a resident of Kukawa village said many people were also injured in the attack according to him the following uh, following the attack several residents have fled their homes he also added that security operatives were unable during the attack uh, thereby giving the bandits free time to operate ASP uh, Uba Gabriel the spokesperson of the state police command did not respond to calls and text messages sent to him and I did ask him as well this morning in fact since late last night I asked him if I could put a call through to him uh, this morning but he's telling me that uh, it's not going to be possible it's not going to be possible because they have issues at dengue in Kanem and this was his response to me uh, this morning but uh, let's now get into uh, the matter of the day 
We'll be looking at, of course, uh, the fact that bandits have abducted scores and set houses ablaze in three plateau communities. The palpable tension that we felt in Joss City yesterday. Uh, there was lots of security presence. And uh, the bandits have kidnapped the wife and daughter of, of a commissioner of environment. Uh, lawmakers also have met concerning governance with the security chiefs. And, of course, uh, lots of questions um, concerning uh, all of these issues when you begin uh, to ask yourself now, uh, uh, you know, by the political configuration of Nigeria, you know, are they reporting uh, to lawmakers? Are the security uh, chiefs re reporting to lawmakers? Can the lawmakers uh, give orders to security chiefs? Uh, the president, uh, we know, remains the commander in chief of the armed forces of Nigeria. Can legislators sanction security chiefs? Uh, they choose to take advice or maybe throw it out the window. But then I have gentlemen in the studio to throw light on these issues. And we'll also look at the bill to establish National Religious Harmony Commission. Is that a panacea for peace? And a probe into rising price of diesel and other matters arising. I have in the studio with me Professor Sati Fatshak. He's a Dean, Faculty of Arts, University of Jos. And I also have uh, Mr. Mahan Walangs Mafwai, Esquire, Department of Public Law, University of Jos. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. It's a pleasure being here. Morning. All right, good to have you here. And um, as uh, let's 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 start this way. I mean, uh, what does this mean at this time? And is 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 when we look at the security situation, is this a reflection of the reality or some attention for bandits or or you know f to get attention from the Nigerian government? They've come out to say that the government knows what they want. They do not want money. That was one of the things they said uh, last week and um, of course as usual when there is uh, an attack anywhere uh, the state governments you know put out reports saying you know they condemn this uh, lawmakers come out to condemn this act the president comes out to condemn this act but again what do you make uh, of this especially what is going on on the plateau at the moment uh, villages uh, have been attacked communities have been attacked and uh, people have been abducted we don't even know the story is still developing gentlemen let's start professor sati Fatchek. thank you very much Muzo, um, for this invitation and for this program i'm not sure that we can isolate what is happening on the plateau from what is happening in nigeria because what is happening uh, on the plateau is a reflection or actually is happening in other parts of Nigeria, particularly Kaduna State, Niger State, Zamfara State, and to some extent um, the Boko Haram infested territory of um, Borno Yobe areas. Uh, as I speak to you, um, my brother-in-law, my, my wife's immediate senior brother elder brother mm. is in captivity in niger state he was captured some two weeks ago oh, the bandits yeah. came raided the entire village anyone they saw they picked and that village has been raided twice since his own abduction so um it's it's a national problem in fact uh, we were just lucky yesterday that they opened up and they told us what they wanted and then they, they were, were, the, the family is currently i mean the church is currently uh, doing the negotiation so it's it's a it's a national problem uh so each state has its own variant or uh, share of this national problem and 
So what you see as happening in Kanam is what has been happening in Niger State for what those of you don't and is what has been happening in Kaduna State and Zamfara State. What you see happen to the commissioner's family is what has been happening also in Kaduna State, in Niger State and in other parts of uh, the country, including the southeast and the southwest. So kidnapping has become a very big business uh, in Nigeria. Mm. Now, the problem is when scholars and the Nigerian publics argue that Nigeria is a failed state, government defends it with the last drop of their blood, and they say they are on top of the situation. By now, on top of the situation means we are on, at the bottom of the situation, and that everyone is for themselves. Unfortunately, um, when Obasanjo commented that government is overwhelmed, I was shocked that Lai Mohammed, as usual, would come out and say that government is not overwhelmed. So if we're not overwhelmed, so what are we? And it's the same government that will tell us, the security forces tell us that they're outnumbered, and it is true. So when you are outnumbered, you are overwhelmed. And that means we should change our strategies. Do we recruit more? Do we train more people? Do we give people more security consciousness and awareness? And you say you're not overwhelmed. So if you're not overwhelmed, why are these things happening across Nigeria? So I think government is overwhelmed in the sense that the security forces are outnumbered uh, by the uh, bandits, by the kidnappers, by various kinds of uh, criminal gangs. And so it's a wake-up call for Nigerians to know that uh, the security forces cannot do it alone and that we should, as individuals, as communities, be security conscious. But to what extent can we rely on our own self-defense? We are not allowed to defend ourselves uh, in terms of, let's say, going to do certain things, but we are allowed to um, organize ourselves and protect ourselves from harm. But it is very difficult to do this because of the nature of the attacks. They don't come, there, there's no warning signal. You don't even anticipate it. So it happens, and everyone is always taken unawares. So this is the unfortunate situation, and I think government should accept that it is overwhelmed and that we should deal with this as a country. There's been the back and forth debates whether we should hire mercenaries or not. And uh, many have given reasons why, saying that, you know, they're just after their pockets and all of that. But also, uh, we heard from the army last week saying that uh, Plateau State, Bauchi and Taraba uh, were, uh, you know, on the brink, or at least there was an alert, a message was sent where we should be careful uh, with our security uh, concerning that. Uh, Mr. Mahan Walangs. Uh, we also have seen that uh, the National Assembly has met with security men. Do you think uh, anything would come out from that? And in the configuration you know, of our system, does the National Assembly have any rights over security chiefs? Because the first time they were invited, actually, they sent representatives instead. It was well, the second time they sh the security chiefs showed up themselves. So I don't really know what's right okay. constitutionally the National Assembly has over security chiefs as the president remains maybe the commander-in-chief. Okay, well, le 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 let me start from the last point. Um, the National Assembly indeed has uh, powers, supervisory powers over uh, the armed forces because first they appropriate their uh, budgets for them they appropriate spendings for them they approve certain things for them to that extent the National Assembly actually 
uh, constitutionally has powers even over the service chiefs. They can indeed summon them to explain certain things, which I think was what happened. Now, having said that, um, the other aspect of it is the fact that uh, the calls for whether we should use mercenaries or not. My take is very simple. Uh, the Nigerian Armed Forces is idea to say this. Uh, I need. Um, I, I stand to be corrected, but I think it's one of the best in the world because wherever they've gone on operations, we've had reports that they've done excellently well. So, but I think that something there there must be something that is the missing link. What it is, I cannot pinpoint exactly. Hmm. But what we can and say here is that if our armed forces were given the right um, uh, equipments they need, they're given the right motivation that they need, I'm sure that they can put these things under them in not too long uh, a time. Hmm. Because well, we waited for the super tokano, we waited for months, it is here, and even the governor no. El Rufai is saying that it's not being used. No, 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 no. it is not about equipments, hmm. the equipments can be there. Are our armed forces motivated enough? Are they being taken care of? For instance, what of the gallant soldiers who died in all of these operations? How have their families been treated? Because before you do it, you will also be asking yourself, what will happen to me? What will happen to my dependents? Mm -hmm. So I think that the nation needs to do more for the armed forces. Not more money, strictly. Not more equipment, uh, not more uh, well, more equipments to the extent that the equipments have to be modern. Uh, it will shock you to know that even our neighboring countries, I don't want to call, but where you go there, and they're not doing roadblocks like we do, because they have equipments. Before you even get there, they've read everything that is in your car. Do we have those things? Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of things that we need. We are in a modern warfare. We are not in the warfare where um, you, you hide in the bush to shoot someone. We are in a modern warfare. We must uh, motivate them by getting them the right equipment so that they can serve us well. All right. Let's hear uh, from Femi Bajabi and Mila after they came out from the meeting with the security chiefs. Collaboration, a lot of ideas um, came together um, in terms of uh, how the security agencies can work together as opposed to what different speak together in one voice as opposed to different voices. Uh, we're talking about uh, the all important issue of whether or not whether or not there are there are elements within uh, the, the military themselves that we need to deal with the issue of um, moles like uh, like like some have stated uh, we talked about um, training and retraining we talked about the issue of capacity and allowances uh, we talked about several several things a lot of them like I said touch on security on security and I'm not at liberty at this point but for us to have been in there for four or five hours um, you must know that we've uh, we made some uh, um, some good headway and um, extensive um, uh, decisions were made. The B seeks to provide for an act to provide for the establishment of National Regional Harmony Commission in Nigeria to serve as an intervention program to promote religious tolerance, peace, and harmony in Nigeria. To monitor, investigate, and prosecute all cases of religious discrimination, victimization, and harassment, and take such actions as may deem expedient in each circumstances. Assist victims of religious discrimination or violation and seek appropriate redress and remedies on their behalf. 
undertake studies on all matters related to legal rights and practices and assist the federal government in the formulation of appropriate policies on the guarantee of right to freedom from religious discrimination and victimization. And thank you again for staying with us. You heard the voice of Femi Bajabia Mila and also Umar Sadiq, uh, APC Quara, uh, concerning a bill uh, that he's pushing. Uh, he's making uh, this request uh, to the National Assembly asking for uh, a bill titled the National Religious Harmony Commission, uh, sponsored by the Senator representing Quara uh, North. And uh, he's saying uh, that the bill uh, will bring, uh, he's talking about expanding on the general principles of the bill, he said that the establishment of the commission would serve as an intervention to promote religious tolerance, peace, and harmony in Nigeria. According to Omar, the United Nations Charter and several provisions of the 1999 Constitution as amended are based on principles of dignity and equality of all human beings. And um, he's saying that having realized the sensitive role religion plays in national security, uh, peace, and harmony, the federal government wishes to promote inter-religious harmony and understanding due to the checkered history of religious intolerance in the Nigerian polity. But before uh, we talk about that, let's go back again to what um, Femi Bajabia st- spoke about. One thing I got from that conversation was moles. He's talking about moles uh, in the in the military, the fifth element. And of course, we've heard rumors uh, about this many times, and yet nobody has uh, been persecuted. We've heard of plans being foiled, the enemy having in, intel or intelligence of, you know, places where they plan to go and secure, they get attacked. We've seen armored vehicles, we've seen uh, helicopters shot down, we've seen flags hoisted in communities, uh, we've seen bandits tax Nigerians even, you know. And so uh, one wonders now, what would it take um, um, you as a dean of the Faculty of Arts, University of Jos, you know, to garner and help drive the success of this Deployment. Uh, what do you think needs to be done at this time, Professor Sati? Yeah, thank you. Um, dealing with sabotage, dealing with fifth columnists in any organization is very difficult. Hmm. It is difficult because it is not easy to trace those who are doing that. But the way to deal with it is probably to get back to recruitment procedures. When we were younger, we were told that before you were enlisted into the army or the Nigeria police, your background will be checked, your family history will be dark, everything about you that is humanly possible to be known will be known, and your character must be unimpeachable. Is this the situation now? Because of corruption in the country, and it's not only, it, it, it's pervasive in almost all the sectors. We hear of stories of how people who went for recruitment, they run the race, came one or two or first or second or third, and yet they will not be taken. And those who didn't run at all, they, are, they, they get uh, enlisted. So how do you tell this person who did not run and he got in there because he knows someone who knows someone or something like that mm. to be patriotic the person who ran out their lives wanted the job this person who didn't run was given the job and he doesn't value it he or she doesn't value it so if you don't tackle corruption at the point of enlistment mm. 
then you will continue to have these people. And then there are those who it is suspected come into the army or the police or any security organization not with the aim of joining the organization but the, with the aim of learning the art of shooting. Mm. Once they learn that they disappear. Now if they go back to the recruitment procedure of the past, if you disappear they will go and trace you through your family and they must get you. But because somebody paid something, it is difficult. You disappear, you disappear. That is why people are able to disappear. So there is no accountability in terms of the recruitment process, in terms of the training process. Anyone can get into the army and disappear without trace. You don't do that and hope to clean the army. You don't do that and hope to clean the police or clean the security uh, forces. So we, we need to set many things right and to say, let's have those who have the capacity, who have the law for country to join the security forces, mm. not those who got there with a knot or on MS list or on chief's list or on whatever list or on Fatshak list or on Mahanan's list or on Zor's list. Mm. In the, and, and that's how many organizations in Nigeria are not performing. It's not just the army, it's not just the police. Many organizations, you go to the universities, you go to the hospitals, you go to any of the civil service, you find these kinds of people who did not apply. They are the ones in the job. And if you give them query, they will not even answer. And if you persist, the boss will tell you why they want that. that they, they will give you the person who gave the query a query for querying somebody who didn't work. Hmm. So it's a systemic collapse. And as a country, we must address that. And secondly, the National Assembly can help us. Um, I was privileged to be part of the electoral reform. Um, I was not in the main committee, but we were in the history committee of that committee. And one of the things we recommended was that public office holders should not have um, salaries and conditions of service that are too tempting, that put them above all others. Mm. Now, what they earn, according to economists, is an earned income. What you did not work for, you cannot use it the way other people who work for it. I have been work, I, I've worked for 32 years. I always say this, I've worked for 32 years and I live in an uncompleted building. By uncompleted building, I mean my house doesn't have paint. It just has windows and doors. But I've worked for 32 years. Hmm. So if I was in the House of Assembly, would I be living in that kind of house? If I was a senator, would I be living in that kind of house? So then why would you tell somebody that he should go and work, go, go and do what work. Is it work that in four years you became a billionaire? So they should help us by saying, look, let's review the salaries and conditions of public office holders. Let it be realistic. Let's deploy some of it to training our youth, to um, giving people social security. But if you tell people that free money is good, then somebody needs only an AK-47 and he becomes a millionaire. So mm. why are you blaming him? Well, they say banditry is the, is the fastest rising yes. industry. So, so as, as the Dean Faculty of Arts, how, how do you see this? Do you see it as an economic or an ideological crime or war? No, there are, there are aspects of it. For Boko Haram, the original Boko Haram, I, used, I teach Boko Haram as part of my course, and I look at Boko Haram in three directions. There is economic Boko Haram. That one includes Christians and Muslims and people without faith. 
they are there, they are just using the name Boko Haram to attack people and make money. They break banks, they block streets, they make money and share. But they come in the name of Boko Haram, but they're not really a Boko Haram. There is political Boko Haram. These are people who want to get power by all means and they use talks in whatever form to go and disorganize the opposition or the person who is contesting against them. They get power, and when they get to Abuja or wherever they are, or in the Plateau House Assembly or whatever House Assembly, they are no longer political, they no longer believe in their parties. They now form a party of how to share things. Hmm. Now, there is ideological Boko Haram. These are the people committed to the establishment of an, uh, an Islamic caliphate. That is, there's nothing you can do. Even if they rob banks, whatever they do, they have that commitment to making Nigeria an Islamic Republic, or at least part of it. So this, uh, this is different. Mm. In the same manner, the bandits, I'm not sure if they have an ideological commitment. But the theory I have gotten is that these are people, some of them are people who are brought in as mercenaries for election, and they have not been settled. So, and Nigeria is fairly better than these West African neighbors, Niger, Chad, we're fairly better than them economically. So when they come here, even if we're crying that we're poor, we're by far better than them. And so when they came and they have not been settled, then they have to resort to banditry. Well, that's been one of the fears that perhaps if we bring in mercenaries, they may also go rogue at the end. Now, um, Mr. Malang, um, uh, let's, let's, Ms. Barrister Mahan, I beg your pardon. It, does democracy, you know, have a bite? Because we, we, so far, I can't really say for a fact that we've made the cost of banditry high. Uh, have we bared our fangs? Does democracy have a cheat? Can democracy bite? Absolutely. There is no system that cannot bite. America is practicing democracy. American system bites. Um, the United Kingdom is practicing democracy. Their systems bite. Our problem has always been a systemic problem. We don't have systems. We don't have structures. We just walk. Everybody comes, walks at his own whims and caprices. What does it take, Zoe? I've said it. Our military is one of the best in the world. It doesn't take anything for our military to get these people annihilated. If we are serious, that's the catch word. So whether we are in a democracy or we are in a military regime or we are in what some people have said, we are just in governance. But whatever it is that we are in, with the right will, the right things can be achieved. So I think that um, the excuse to say that it's because of democracy, because the process is cumbersome, is, does not hold water. Mm. Hmm. Uh, maybe I can add this way, that um, when Professor Dakas gave an inaugural lecture, he said, and I keep on re re reflecting on that, and it's very important for me, and I think it should be very important for the country. He said, the problem with Nigeria is not the absence of laws. It is impunity. Let me stop at that. Hmm. Thank you. So if democracy was to bite, what kind of actions uh, should we have seen by now, uh, Mr. Mahan Walangs Mafoy? Okay, simple. Uh, the the Commander-in-Chief would order the armed forces to do the appropriate thing. But the, we've, that, seen, we've seen these no, orders no, 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 given no. many times. Ma, there, are, there are various ways of doing things. It's not enough for us to hold a meeting in Asorok and then come out and say, okay, uh, we're on top of the situation. <laughs> we know that it is much, much more than that. 
All right. There are certain things that um, they are not things to be said everywhere. Like I keep saying yesterday, for instance, there were pictures online where it was said that the military has arrested some terrorists. And then later on, the Kaduna state government is saying that we are not aware of that. How do we operate like that? I am thinking that our military should be allowed to be the military. Let them do their things the way they should. And once they do their things, they report back to the authorities so that there should be no discordant views. What, what it seems in Nigeria today is that we don't have harmony. But that's not true. It is because we don't even... Um, uh, he quoted Professor Dakas, who said impunity is our problem. And impunity has run through everything, almost everything that we do. Otherwise, someone takes an order, someone executes the order, and there should be no complaints. Hmm. Okay, now let's uh, move to uh, another issue now, uh, which is uh, the bill for the establishment of religious harmony. Is that a solution or not to peace and security? Because some say uh, it's not everywhere that we have religious crisis in Nigeria. Not every state has religious conflict in the whole of the Southwest. Uh, religion is not much of a problem, the Southeast or the South-South. Uh, so where we have uh, problems is, many would agree, is the core North, where we have extremism, fundamentalism, uh, and all of that. So perhaps, I don't know, how, how much do you see this bill? Some are saying it's a reorientation, uh, you know, not setting of religious harmony commission, but we need a, re a cultural reorientation and religious reorientation. And of course, we do know that any religion, uh, there's no religion, in fact, that asks you to, to take life. It's, it's not mm -hmm. worth it. If there's any religion like that, really, it's not mm -hmm. worth it to belong to such a religion. So uh, because every religion says life is sacred. So mm -hmm. uh, by the time they know this, of course, they will be tolerant. Now, are now accommodating. So, uh, do we agree that you know such a bill because it's passed a second reading already? Is that what we need? Is that the panacea for peace at this time? Well, I go back to Dakas again, and I don't think uh, it's too much to recite. The problem of Nigeria is not the absence of laws; it is lack of punishment for infringement. That is impunity. There is no mechanism. The mechanism exists, but it is not enforced. Um. When I attended some law classes, I was told that do not make a law that you cannot enforce. It, it, it makes the whole system so, uh, I mean, it, it makes a caricature of the system. If you don't have the capacity to enforce, do not even bother to make a law. True. So this is where the impunity comes. You make a law because it looks good. You think that law will change things. Laws don't change things. Laws are regulations. And the regulations mean there must be enforcement. If there's no enforcement, don't go there. But for me, the solution is not making more laws. We have enough in our extant laws to deal with these circumstances. But do we enforce the laws the way they are supposed to be enforced? If the law enforcer becomes the lawbreaker, what happens? It means there's indiscipline in the law enforcement mechanism. I have read PhD theses from other universities and where people are discussing NDLA, and they say NDLA people participate in taking him. This is, this is product of research. The deputy speaker of the National Assembly, I said it the other day when, we, when I came here, came out on national television in the house, said that some police people were responsible for certain crimes and uh, they, they prevented something from happening. And instead of promoting them, they were dismissed. Hmm. So those who want to enforce the law are dismissed. 
So it's not as if the law is not absent, but somebody doesn't want the law to be enforced. So for me, since the laws are not being enforced, we don't have the capacity to enforce the laws. We can enforce the law the way the developed societies have done. How do they enforce laws? By making people educated. If you give people education, it gives them leverage to interpret the world. It gives them leverage to find alternative livelihoods. It gives them leverage to be independent. It gives them leverage in several areas. But the students are being kidnapped. They've been a target for years now. No, but I mean if people are educated, you will reduce the level of banditry and kidnapping because if, like me, will I go and be a bandit with the training I've received, with the education I've received? I won't be a bandit. I won't be a kidnapper because I've been educated. So what Western societies have done and which was what Jonathan wanted to do and this current government came and killed the initiative. I was so excited when they said, let's have Al-Majiri schools so that they can have both Islamic and Western education. This is the only way you can change, in my opinion, you can mm. change Nigerian society. That's the only way you can get it right. Make well, the laws is, without know, educated people, these laws will continue to be broken and we will continue to recycle ourselves. The number of out-of-school children is uh, high, mostly in the north. Yeah. And then I, I, I'm not sure I can say for a fact that I see our northern leaders doing enough you know, to curb this problem of, you know, lack of education of, of you know, Almagiri children. I'm not sure I can say I've, I've seen them putting their best to do something about bringing the solution. But they have to face it. Sanesul Amido was already saying so. If you don't... And you'd expect them to back him up. You expect every leader to jump on that train. Yeah, but... but he, that's he, not what we saw. Yeah, but we will continue to have such voices as his. And one day we'll get out of this quackmire. Because we cannot continue to reproduce ignorance and have a legal system working. Zero nine zero five five six in four places nine nine zero nine zero nine eight eight four eight eight four eight. These are the numbers to call and contribute on the program. Let's talk. And when you do call, please your name, your location, and go ahead to make your comments. You don't have to wait for me to ask you what your name is or where you're calling from. And this morning uh, we have been looking at bandits, abduct scores, set houses ablaze in three plus two communities. Uh, the palpable tension we felt in your city yesterday uh, the kidnapping of a wife of a commissioner of environment Usman Bami his wife and daughter and also uh, lawmakers meeting with security chiefs the bill to establish national uh, religious harmony commission is that a panacea for peace and a probe into the rising price of diesel uh, in the country and you have been hearing the voice of Professor Sati Fachak is a Dean Faculty of Arts University of Joss and also Mr. Mahan Walangs Mafuai Esquire Department of Public Law University of Joss uh, do reach us on the numbers and on our feedback handle on facebook.com forward slash JFM Jaws.
and thank you for staying with us and uh, don't forget uh, how you can reach us 090-556 and four places 99090-988-48848 and on Facebook facebook.com forward slash JFMJOS Twitter at JFMJOS uh, now before um, the engineers handle this little technical uh, difficulty we're having at the moment let's just continue um, the conversation uh, we've also seen uh, just lately uh, the probe um, into uh, what is going on now uh, with diesel. The House of Reps has launched a probe into the astronomical increase in the price of diesel. Uh, Nigerians have been contending with the hike uh, in petroleum products in the last few weeks uh, for mobility as well as for powering their generators to deal with the epileptic power supply. And uh, you can only imagine how this impacts business owners and a consequent effect on the price of goods and services of course. Now the, 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 the price to transport goods from the hinterlands out of course this would directly impact the price of goods so uh, the house of representatives has mandated its committee on petroleum resources upstream and downstream as well as gas resources to investigate the unexplained astronomical increase in the price of diesel and the upper chamber is concerned that the hike in the cost of diesel is alleged to be the handiwork of unscrupulous stakeholders in the industry well the thing is when the bad fuel issue came up nobody was punished Nothing was done to serve as a deterrent. So, of course, they would continue like this. And Nigerians would continue to suffer. I mean, I know how much uh, we spend here on our station just to make sure that we keep running 24 hours as we are a 24-hour station. So, uh, what do you say to this uh, committee that has been set up now? Uh, do we hope to see anything? I mean... There is causing untold hardship for Nigerians, uh, our household especially. You know, uh, the price of cooking gas is also very high at the moment. Gentlemen. Professor Sati. Well, I thought she should be given a, res uh, a chance to respond to the law thing because he's a lawyer. Maybe yeah. he can say something. That's true. And then we can come uh, back to okay. this result. Uh, well, um, my take about um, the Religious Tolerance Commission or whatever bill is mm. that we're just running around the, 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 in cycles. We don't need any new law. We have enough laws. In fact, um, in one of my researches, I, 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 I made a submission that Nigeria is one of the most lawed society, if there is any word like that, because we have laws for almost everything, mm -hmm. almost everything. Mm -hmm. We don't just apply the laws. We are, we, are, we, are, we are people with impunity. Everybody wants to use his position to kill the law. That's why the law has not worked. But otherwise, we have laws for everything. Why not strengthen the existing uh, platforms where that can be achieved rather than starting a very new platform? So I think um, to, that, to that extent, the, that bill, in my thinking, is not necessary at all. Now, talking about uh, the, the, the House Committee, for me, I, 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 I will adopt what uh, Led Bolaige called a sit-down-look approach. Hmm. Because we've set up committees, we've, 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 they've made recommendations. Who cares? Because at the end of it all, they are paid allowances for all those sittings. People will come and appear before them and get envelopes. But beyond that, nothing happens. So I think rather than that, what is it if NNPC, that is the regulatory body, cannot identify what the issues are? Who else should? I think we should demand that public uh, uh, establishments do their work. If they do their work, we won't be where we are. You can't tell me that it's unscrupulous elements. Hello. If it is unscrupulous Hello. elements, why don't Radio we Mama. have guys everywhere? All right, Radio Mama, welcome. Let's talk. 
Thank you, Madam Ada, Radio Mama. Well, I mean, talking about, uh, you know, the northern leaders and, you know, where they place their priority on, I don't know how important this was, but the Zamfara governor distributes 260 cars to traditional rulers after accusing them of abating banditry. Mm. So, I mean, he's, the gift is said, to be, is said to be a gift to traditional rulers was part of uh, the government's effort to address the lingering security challenges being faced in the state. And that is, uh, cars include several 2019 Cadillac models. We all know, uh, you know, when you hear someone <laughs> is driving a Cadillac, you know that mm. it's, it's not a tea party. That's a Certainly. lot of millions of dollars going into that. And then here we are uh, talking about securing our state. I don't know how these traditional rulers would even have the freedom to drive these cars around or what ceremonies uh, in spite of the security would they be attending in these cars i'm not sure hello and good morning zero nine zero five five six and four places nine nine zero nine zero nine eight eight four eight eight four eight you can also find us on facebook.com forward slash jfm jaws hello hello good morning good morning and welcome thank you very much my name is Sadiq kumar i'm calling from teacher and teacher let's talk Sadiq. Uh, yes, I will comment your guest. Actually, they have spoken very, very well. And you see, when we check out the issue of insecurity that is happening from the state and Nigeria at large, it's something that is a sign of total failure from the both state government and the federal government. The way the government are treating this banditry, I think that they are treating them with kid glue because we have not seen any adequate or justice response on the issue of these banditry that have been arrested. We have seen that here soldiers have arrested some banditry uh, yesterday in Kaduna, but you will see we will not wait for what have they done 
or what have they do to them. The somebody too will come back to the society and they will continue what they are doing. And our governors, they are not serious about the issue of insecurity. Example, this Zampara. Most of the lecturers that we have in this Zampara State University, they are not their staff. And the, 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 the university is under coma. And at the same time, it's spending a humongous amount for the professional uh, leaders. Can we compare this thing? Because all the youth that are not educated, they are the ones bringing all these problems. In the north, we are complaining about this Almagiri system. The Almagiri system is the cause of all these problems that we are seeing. But nobody is coming out to talk. Everybody is very, very silent. And the thing is, people are dying every day on daily basis. And the painful part of it is that all these politicians now, their problem is 2023 election. How can we do 2023 election without adequate security? So we are calling on the government. If truly they wanted to, to come on 2023, they should resettle this issue of insecurity because we cannot be dying and we are expecting to go and vote again. Those in villages that they have been wrapped by the banditry, how can they vote for the adequate person? So we are calling on the government to do the needful. If not, I'm calling on Nigerians that have been affected by this banditry. They should use their PVC to make sure that they turn the table around. Because Thank you so much for your inputs this morning, Sadiq Omar from TTNT. Alkana Moses on Facebook is saying, life, no balance at all in this country. People get killed for wrongs they didn't do. Dashe Nanjul says, good morning to you all in the house. It's so pathetic that our leaders keep on promising us heaven and earth during campaign but fail to deliver when they are in power. They feed up uh, with the governance of Nigeria. Dauda Dominic is saying, uh, do we still have security in this country? May God save us. Uh, Vincent Anthony says, God have mercy on us in Nigeria of today. Injustice everywhere, but no one can talk the truth. Everything is being compromised. And uh, humble Uza Isaac is saying, and uh, my humble uh, Professor Sati Fad Shak and other guests, sincerely speaking, what is happening in this country is getting out of hand. But what I want to say is, until the children of nobody become children of somebody, these killings will linger. Why I say so is, if these guys involved in this act were all well taken care of, I don't think they will have, they would have liked to indulge in this kind of act. The rich enrich themselves and their families, but unfortunately fail to protect them enough for the poor. The rich also cry, Abi. Let's go back and begin to ask sincere questions as to why these things are happening. Believe me, if this country wants security, it will end. And Cast Stones is saying about the insecurity in this country, the only thing I get to tell us is civilians is anytime you hear a gunshot just run to where you think is safe run he's saying Divine Chooks is saying, who created the insecurity in the nation? Who are their sponsors? What happened to the Tokano jet Nigerian government bought to fight terrorism? Sokes Tong is saying, the issues in Nigeria are too many to mention. It seems as if the government is under the matter or better still overwhelmed by the matter. I'm of the opinion that security forces need more hands. More hands are needed to fight against the insecurity. The truth is that Nigerians are no longer safe in their country. The security heads should be up and doing. I stand with Nigerians and for Nigeria. Now goods and services are very high in the market. Who is responsible for the price of petrol? Teng Wong Steven is saying, and my dean faculty of arts, as long as security is used in my country to gain cheap political relevance, it will never end and it has become a business for the conflict entrepreneur. Anna Solomon Kujay is saying all protocols duly observed. I would like to talk about the incessant negligence of security by the 
the current administration. When we have corporate thieves, it only makes a lot of sense to see others on the street. If there's lawlessness, it's because people who are up, who are to uphold the law, are involved in nefarious activities. In a country where people are killed, brutalized, etc., for speaking up, what do you expect? We live in a country where criminals punish criminals. Mm. Well, that's it on our Facebook handle. And, uh, well, let's begin to wrap up. Let's coast home now, gentlemen. And um, let's talk about, still, let's talk about solutions. Uh, is, is, do, is there a way out of this? And then one would have to ask, what would the government gain by not stalling or curbing insecurity? We're, we're losing on every front, as it turns out. I mean, is it possible that those in leadership are honestly as selfish as the reality of the insecurity portrays? Or else one would still have to ask the question, why have we not deployed perhaps outside help if we feel we're overwhelmed by it? Are we too proud to say we cannot do this at the expense of the lives of Nigerians? And then going forward, of course, everybody's declaring now, uh, 2023 is around the corner. What should Nigerians look out for? What kind of leaders do we need at this time? We've all agreed, get your PVC. Meshai has his PVC. Mekeke has his PVC. But, you know, some elites, as Walesho Inka was heard saying the other day, that he just may leave the country. And that is what happens when, when it's time to vote. We see our elites flying out. They don't want any problem. And those who can muscle their way into it, make sure they get, you know, they have their, their day, their day in the sun. So, gentlemen, let's wrap up from here. Going forward, your final words on all of these issues, starting with you, uh, Mr. Mahan. Okay, I will just say, it's like the mic is off. It's on. Okay, I will just say a few things. In my opinion, to get out of this, we have to plan, and you have to ask yourself, what is the short-term approach, strategy, and how is it supposed to be done? What is the medium term and what's the long term? Education is long term. It's not something that you can reap the benefit in one day. You need like 10, 20 years. If the government had continued with the Jonathan Almajiri school, maybe by now the first set would have left primary school and would have been in UBE or something like that. So in the next 20 years, we would have seen drastic transformation. But we bungled this opportunity. So my thinking is that in the long term, and it's not too late, since we have to start it now. We have to plan and give everyone meaningful education in order that people will have a voice so that people can have a right, uh, know their rights, and have dignity. Now, in the short term, anyone who is in position of power, all those in position of power from the president down to the military chiefs and security chiefs, the first thing that should be at the top of their minds, in front of their minds, at the back of their minds, in the middle of their minds, is secure the country. If the country is not secure, if the electorates are killed, if they are, if, if they are kidnapped, who is going to vote for you? You need the electorate. So secure the country so that the elections can go on, so that you can have clean mandates that you want, so that everyone will be happy. Because if you don't secure the country, in your houses, you are not safe. Because if your own cousin or uncle who is not in government house is arrested, you are, not part, you, you are also not secure. Mm -hmm. So, mine is give people an education in the, from now to the, the whatever long term, and for the short 
term secure the country. If you are aspiring to lead this country, talk to those in power. Let's secure the country. The election is useless if the country is not secure. All right. Uh, Barista Mahan, your well, last um, words. Um, I think I will align myself with what uh, Prof have said. But I will only add that um, for the people who are declaring, it is not enough to just declare that I want to be president. Uh, like um, one of my lecturers, Professor Aduba, will say, it is also not enough to run around the stadium in order to declare, to, to say you are healthy. But what are you bringing to the table? Our, we as electorates must begin to ask very relevant questions. We are, uh, we, are, we, are, we are facing a situation of almost anarchy in the name of insecurity. What are these declarants having in order to solve this? And we must also, beyond asking the relevant questions, we must also hold them accountable. It shouldn't be business as usual. It shouldn't be a situation where we elect legislators, they get into the House, they don't come back to the constituency till almost at the end of four years. It is not also enough for us to have people, whether as governors, as president, who we cannot hold them to their words. We must hold them to their words. Now, one of the easiest things we can do is for us to run governance the way it ought to be run. There should be no um, no, 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 no sentiments according to party or according to religion. We must leave all the arrogance we are doing. We must accept the truth because there is only one thing that can help us. I do not understand. Uh, Prof said it earlier on at the beginning. For the minister of information to come to try to debunk what uh, former president Obasanjo has said is 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 is, is marks of uh, vindictiveness. And I think that people in authority should be careful, should know when they are criticized. It's not that they are hated. They are just being criticized to do the right thing. And I think if they begin to do the right thing, mm. things will move. Call a problem by its name to solve it. On Twitter, uh, Eminex Danok is saying, most painful part is that all the bandits will be granted amnesty while the displaced citizens are in IDP camps. This is Nigeria. In this same country, Boko Haram were being recruited into the Nigeria army while lots of graduates are jobless. Ikuta is saying, the northern elites are the beneficiary of the low level of education in the north. Education opens the eyes of citizens to make better decisions, and this better decision will stop voting bad leaders. Dachet Jidauna is saying those bandits are biting more than they can chew, even though it's the government that is giving them the chance to do that. And that's it on the Monday edition of the program Let's Talk. I want to say a huge thank you to Professor Sati Fachat, Dean Faculty of Arts, University of Joss, and also to Mahan Walangs Mafuai Esquire, Department of Public Law, University of Joss. Thank Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for inviting us and thanks to the listeners too. All right. Now, uh, do we have a heroic or naive view of the world uh, when we keep talking about these issues? Uh, can we really be a part of the change? Uh, it's tempting, of course, to believe uh, that we have no power, that our voices don't matter, that our protests don't matter. I believe uh, the only matter is uh, that we should continue to ask the right questions. And don't forget, uh, the Almagiri has a PVC, the T-Seller has a PVC, the cart push has a PVC, the fruit seller has a PVC, cola nut seller has a PVC, gate man has a PVC, onion tomato sellers have PVCs, shoe shiners has a P have PVCs, sugar cane sellers have PVC, bus drivers and conductors have PVCs, motopark, uh, uh, you would say, agbe and towels have PVCs. What is your excuse? Well, that's where I leave it with you. I'm yours truly, Zoe Machunga. Good morning and keep listening to J101.9 FM.
station. All new J. 101.9 FM. Thank you for listening to JFM Podcast.